Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. Good. Are you excited for the weekend, checking out food trucks and floaties? I am, yeah. We're in town this weekend. I'm going to check out food trucks and floaties and Bailey's and hopefully get outside a bunch and maybe have some beers. We definitely have some summer left, uh, but... Starting to get a little bit cooler, a little more rainy off and on. So I heard some people go, oh, this is nice. I love this weather. I'm like, no, we only had like three weeks of hot. Like, right. I'll take a couple more weeks. I've got all the cold I want coming in January. No, that's true. I am, I'm guilty of that. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, it's nice and breezy in the morning. And then it gets hot in the evening, but we're just, now it's staying breezy all day. And it's like, okay, yeah, well. We only get like three weeks tops where it's like, you know what? I definitely don't need the hoodie today. And I don't even know if I can say definitely, but it's a very small window where you're like, yeah, shorts and t-shirt, I'm good all day. Well, and the I rest feel like, of the year, it's like, I need to bring multiple different clothing options right. everywhere I go because it could be freezing in Bailey's. Well, and I feel like your opportunities to get out on the water have been a lot less this year because like every time I'm like, oh, let's get out to the beach. I'm like, the water's going to be way too cold. <laughs> so it's like, all right. So why don't we jump into the news? We have a couple of quick updates to some stories that we've talked about before. First thing, the bids for Eagle Tower have come in, and uh, they're, they're challenging. Yeah, it's not cheap, it turns out, to uh, totally redesign a tower and add an 850-foot uh, ramp to the top of it. That apparently gets expensive. Right. So let's back up a little bit for people who uh, haven't been following the story as closely. Eagle Tower uh, was taken down, so we're at the point now where you can't just uh, repair Eagle Tower. Right. You have to yeah. rebuild it. There were three different options. One was kind of just a straight rebuild. One of them had an elevator, and then one of them had a ramp, and the ramp is the one that we're moving forward with. The straight rebuild wasn't really an option because the State Department of Natural Resources determined that to comply with Americans with Disabilities Act requirements, they had to have access to the entire tower to make it ADA compliant. What was so, what was that option then? What did that look like? The, the there ramp? was just uh, there was the ramp, there was the elevator, and then there was like a differently designed tower that had a ramp, but was like a lot shorter and like squat. And yeah, so there was wide because the ramp was all inside, right. so it was just a lot more back and forth. So it was kind of ugly. Okay, so tell me about the bids. Where are we sitting now? When they first started talking about this, the DNR thought threw out a number of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to rebuild it. The Friends of Peninsula State Park went out and fundraised for that. Shortly thereafter, it became clear that it was going to cost way more than that. Then they were talking like, well, all right, $1.5 million, and the Friends maybe can come up with seven hundred fifty, and then the state eventually said, yeah, we'll match that, and we'll have $1.5 Then it came back with their design options with the ADA compliance and everything, and they said, it's, it's going to be $2 million. And that was basically the cheapest option that they came up with because the elevator was going to be much more expensive because they'd have to run power to the tower. 
from the golf club. So right. that's a long run of power that they have to get out there. And then that 2.7, when they put that out to 2.07 million, when they put it out to bid, that was their kind of like estimate. They put it out to bid, it comes back at minimum bid. The lowest bid that came in was $3.6 million to build this thing. So the DNR said, whoa, we got to rethink this. That's way too much. We're going to put it out to bid again, looking at different materials. So the original bids were based on using a composite material that a lot of people have probably seen it on backyard decks, where you put in a composite material as a deck, it lasts a lot longer, requires less maintenance. And that was the original plan and the original bid they got back. Now they've said, let's just do wood. That's usually a lot cheaper, and it is. And then we're going to change it. We're going to make it a straighter ramp rather than one that meanders through the treetops. They were able to save some money, but the new bids came in at $2.9 million. So only about $700,000 less, not the $1.6 million less that they needed. So... Now they are going to try and see if they can find other money, either through grants or other state funds, to close that gap. It's a lot of money for a tower. Yeah. Well, okay, I wanted to play devil's advocate a little bit and run down some of the the responses that I've seen to this article in particular. But before I do that, maybe I'll just open it up. Uh, Is this a train wreck? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, personally... I apologize if this comes off as insensitive to people with disabilities. I get the desire, and I have some folks like this in my own family, like it'd be great for them to be able to access the top of the tower. That said, when this first happened, I talked to a couple of different engineers who said, why not just use a crane, hold the thing in place, and replace the timbers that are failed? And just kind of repair it as is. You wouldn't have to comply with all the requirements of a new structure because you'd be repairing in place. I know there's a lot of things that the DNR would tell you that, oh, well, that doesn't work for this reason or that reason, or if you replace more than 50%, whatever. Personally, I'm like, guys, let's be realists here. This is a tower. It's a cool thing. Is it something that the public should be spending $3 million on? I love that tower. I want to see it built again. But this is one of those spots where like engineers have said like this is maybe a $400,000 project if you don't have to do all these other things. Or if you repaired it in place, it might have been a couple of hundred thousand dollars. I think maybe the DNR screwed up by immediately bowing to say like we had to be ADA compliant because I've, I've spoken to other experts who say like that's not necessarily the case. We ran an article of Jackson talked to people all over the country who have replaced towers without having to do all the ramps and things like that because they provided a similar experience in another way. And some people have talked about that, like, well, for $3 million, if you're going to spend that kind of money, how about you build a tower, but then you do a cantilevered overlook at the same location so people in wheelchairs can experience that, that overlook and people could still go to the top of the tower. I mean, there's a lot of different things. I'm sure that some people are saying right now, that's totally insensitive. You don't get it, Miles. And maybe that's true. I, I accept that. But I just think the cost of that degree, and then, so what might happen is, okay, well, we can't make it ADA compliant, so nobody gets it. Imagine what you could do with $3 million if you can just build a $400,000 tower, all the stuff you could do at a different spot. It's just... Right. I'm sorry. It's frustrating. No, and, and it's, it's interesting to hear you say all of that because... Generally, when there's a controversial topic that comes up in Door County, we have a lot more context than just normal members of the community or people who aren't in the know. So we're able to kind of flesh things out a little bit more. 
and usually we can be pragmatic about it, but it's really interesting to hear you take that side on this, especially as somebody who, when I came into the community right as Eagle Tower was being torn down, there was a lot of people being like, Eagle Tower is Peninsula State Park, or Mm -hmm. Eagle Tower is Door County. Like, it's an icon in that way. And then you would expect to see a huge outpouring of support for it to get something like this done. And I think in a lot of ways we did when it originally went down. But maybe it is at the point now where it's like, hey, I think that this project expanded its scope too far. And now we might be in a place where we probably shouldn't have gotten into this from the beginning. And what you're saying about, you know, being sensitive and stuff like that is really important. But at the same time, I think that there are ways around it that wouldn't necessarily have gotten us into this spider web, so yeah. to say. And I'm not one to knee-jerk rip on the DNR. I actually think they take way too much heat from people. I mean, you'll see a lot of hunters say, oh, the DNR is screwing this up. They're screwing up the deer hunt. They're screwing up this with their regulations. Like, hey, folks, shut up. You don't have a fishery if it's not for the DNR. They stock everything. The salmon are not native to the lake. They wouldn't be there if it weren't for all the work the DNR does to create a sport fishing industry for you. So any little inconveniences you have, like weigh that against all the other stuff they do. Weigh that against all the preserved land that they maintain with like a shoestring budget that allows the animals that you hunt to thrive and the nature that we all love to thrive. So like if there are things that are inconvenient or annoy us, always try and have that other side in mind. And I have that in mind here when I say this, but I think personally it seems like the DNR could have fought a little harder for a smarter solution at the beginning. And they were very quick to say, well, we got a study that says tear it down, so we tear it down. Instead of going, we have a study that says tear it down. What other options could we fight for? Right. What could we do differently? Like, is tearing it down the best? We know there's going to be a groundswell that wants to rebuild it because it ended up going to legislators weighing in and stuff. Could they have said, hey, is there a way to do this in place? And I applaud the folks in Surgeon Bay who are looking at anything they can do to try and get them to just repair the one because the DNR officials told me that as of yet, what's happening with Peninsula State Park's Eagle Tower is not impacting our decisions related to Potawatomi State Park's Potawatomi Tower. But to me, this would be a big warning sign to say like, you know what, maybe we should just repair that one in place. Maybe we should turn over every stone when it comes to the legal battle or replacing this thing over time and fixing it over time or stabilizing it. I mean... Let's be honest, like you can stabilize anything. Leaning Tower of Pisa is still standing. It's been there for freaking ever. Like every bar in Boston and Baltimore and along the East Coast is usually housed in a building that's hundreds of years old. We can find ways to stabilize a tower that's 50, 60, 70 years old. So like there's ways to do it. I just wish there's a little more backbone on the part of maybe legislators and uh, folks in the DNR to come up with the more practical, pragmatic solution and save that money to do really cool stuff for people with disabilities. Like, if you're going to spend $3 million, you could have nine different awesome new overlooks in Peninsula State Park for $3 million. Probably probably a lot more than nine, you know? So what are these different things you could do with that same money? And I, I think if you said, all right, we built this tower, and as part of the same project, we did all these things, so we've complied, complied with that act. Like, right. Especially when you're talking about something that that existed for 75 years. It's not like you're saying, we want to build this totally new thing that never existed and not make it ADA compliant. That's not what you're trying to do. Well, so. and the other thing too is, I, I do think that the ramp will be really cool when it's completed. It, w- it would be really cool. But the question is, I is just it wouldn't be, spend a million and a half yeah, dollars for a ramp. Be, is it going to be that cool? 
Okay, so why don't we move on and talk about Sturgeon Bay? So we, we talked about the Pratt tax a couple of episodes ago, and things were not looking good in terms of getting that actually passed. Has that story changed in the coming weeks? It has. Jackson Parr down in Madison, he did some work for us on this story this week. And Joel Kitchens has worked with, uh, I think it's Tom Tiffany up in the Mequon area to put a bill forward that would allow Sturgeon Bay and Mequon to implement a Pratt tax. That's a premier resort area tax. So yes, when I say Pratt tax, I'm being redundant. What that allows them to do is have a half percent sales tax added to a wide array of purchases, uh, not to include like the massive things like a car or a house, but most other day-to-day purchases that you might make. And the theory behind a Pratt is that communities that are heavily reliant on tourism they have uncommon infrastructure burdens on them because of right. all that tourism. There's more people coming in and using the roads than there are people to pay for the roads in the community. Yes, and those people coming in to use them don't pay the local taxes that support that, is the theory. Mm-hmm. So now you can have this special tax, and that helps you repair your roads or other infrastructure projects you need to undertake. In right. the case of Sturgeon Bay, they desperately need more money for the roads. So when we first talked about this, they had basically kind of built that into their plan. And we're like, there's no way that the Pratt's not going to pass, so we'll be good to go. And then it didn't pass, and they were trying to scramble and figure out how they can find the money that they need to fix their roads and that kind of stuff. Uh, was there pushback and follow-through on the part of Sturgeon Bay to be like, hey, this didn't pass. Can we figure it out? Is that why it's moving forward the way that it is? Yeah, they talked to Joel Kitchens right away, and he's told him from the start that he didn't think that it would pass when Scott Walker was governor because he didn't think Scott Walker was likely to sign off on it. He also had his doubts about whether or not the assembly would even consider it, and it turned out that they wouldn't. But he did say, I'll keep fighting for it. So he has gone forward and put it in as its own legislation. That doesn't mean it's going to pass. We're a long way from getting this thing pushed through. And part of the reason that there's some doubts about it getting passed is this was created for some very specific communities. Uh, Originally in Door County, only Ephraim and Sister Bay qualified. Even though this is a heavy tourism industry, those were the only two because you have to be just so heavily reliant on tourism. And Sturgeon Bay doesn't. They have a lot of big industry. They have the shipyards. They have the industrial corridor. So it's a somewhat difficult argument to make. Are Pratt's a town-based tax, or are they countywide? Town. Okay. Town, village, city. Are there Pratt's um, indoor county already? Sister Bay. Okay. And then communities like Wisconsin Dells, that sort of thing. As more places try and get that enacted and ask for special legislation, then who do you say no to as this goes on? Like, Can you say no to any other community in Door County if you say yes to Sturgeon Bay kind of thing? I know Egg Harbor's interested in it. All these communities may start looking at this as a solution to their revenue problems. And now instead of it being a premier resort area tax, it's just an added chunk of the sales tax. Right. Republican legislatures especially will be hesitant to go down that road. Okay, so that's Pratt Tax. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again in the future as it comes up down the road. But why don't we take a break right now, and then when we come back, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about how vacationers are changing and the the demographics that you're seeing in Door County over the last 10 years, which I think is a really interesting thing to, to notice and to talk about. So we'll jump into that after the break. Great. 
They call themselves the Stradivarius builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Pankin Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. So, Miles, you have noticed a younger breed of vacationers in Door County. Breed. Is that what you would say? I don't know if you agree with this, and obviously your span of being in Door County and witnessing this doesn't reach that far back. But I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about this, that in my years, I'd say like 10 years ago, if I were looking around Door County, I'd be like, oh man, our vacationers are, the average vacationer is so old up here. And this is a place for retirees to come on vacation. And there were younger people, there were families, but it we really lost a lot of the family clientele over the years because it got a little pricier. Maybe habits had changed. People weren't camping as much. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But I do think of late, and I know like 10, 15 years ago, a lot of the conversations I was having with people, business owners, visitor bureau, otherwise, man, what do we do to attract families again? What do we do to attract younger people? How do we get that next generation? Because our clientele and our visitors are literally dying off. I used to work in a supper club and you were literally watching them die off week by week. And it's like, how can we ever get that back? And I think as I walk around last summer and this summer and you go through Sister Bay and Ephraim and Bailey's Harbor, Bailey's Harbor especially too, you see so many more younger people in that 21 to 35 ballpark that are coming up here and vacationing. And I think it's interesting to see that. I don't have any numbers to back it up. So I'm, I'm having a conversation here that is totally speculative and anecdotal. But I do think I see a lot more bachelorette parties, groups of young folks walking around, young couples, maybe young people with very young kids and strollers, you know, non-school age kids. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Does it feel, or are you as, as someone new here still thinking like, oh yeah, this is like a retirement community? Well, no, it's interesting that you bring that up because when I first got here about four years ago, I've known of Door County and been coming to Door County for about five years and I've lived here for four. So when I first came up here, that was definitely part of it. I was like, where am I going to find young people? How am I going to make friends? Where are we going to find a community of people my age to do stuff with? And the first winter that I was up here, that was a struggle. My, my first summer, I didn't know anybody. And then that winter, I met a small group of friends who I'm still friends with and, and did stuff that way. And then I got the job here. And then my perspective shifted to like the tourism side of things. Like then it wasn't just like, how do I find young people to hang out with? It was like, how do we get young people to come here? And that mm-hmm. was like a big question. But then in the last five years, I feel like there have been a lot of cool, hip businesses that have opened up. And there's been a lot of focus on 
getting outside and getting on the water and doing silent sports and outdoor athletics and that kind of stuff. I feel like if, if you're feeling that in the last 10 years you've been seeing younger people come up here, I definitely have in the last five. Yeah. So in 2011, end of 2011, I left Door County, moved to Chicago. And in large part, it was because all of my cohorts, my friend group, a lot of them were leaving. I had like personal challenges I wanted to take on, but it was also, you know, it's, it felt very much like Door County had stagnated. So many of the new restaurants hadn't come up there. I was like, all right, I love the bowl. I love Husby's. I, I love the Bayside. But I had grown tired of like for eight months a year. Those were like the kind of your only options in Northern Door, night in, night out. And went to the city and it kind of reinvigorated. And in that time I was gone, it was, it was like I left right as all this was kind of coming back. And a lot of young entrepreneurs came in, opened cool businesses, opened cool restaurants, new concepts of restaurants, new ideas came into the county. And I think it's also about like this wave of investments that communities made in their waterfronts. I was out paddling and kayaking around uh, Sister Bay last night and I just got to thinking, I'm like, what a perfect storm over the last 10 years because you had like the beach contamination in I think 2000 or 2001 that really scared people about Door County because a lot of people got sick at Nicolay Bay just swimming in the water. And so it led to what I think is was a really good effort by the Door County Visitor Bureau at the time under Karen Raymore to go like, all right, we're going to own this and we're going to fix it. So they embarked on this effort with UW Oshkosh to clean up their beaches and do all this beach testing and monitor things. And most of the communities were so scared by those contamination that over the next few years, they worked on major efforts to control stormwater, to make sure that didn't happen again. And that also led them to expand their beaches and started to say, all right, we're going to, Sister Bay is going to expand theirs. Egg Harbor is going to expand theirs. It wasn't talked about a lot at the time, but I think those, those investments and those moves are part of why so many families are here. Because if you go to Sister Bay and you go to Egg Harbor, you just see so many young families with little babies sitting on the, the beach in the sand, playing in the water. And so many images, 10, 15 years of those images and those experiences are, are paying off now in like kind of a bulk transition in of a younger audience. And then you also have all these people without kids who are 23 to 30 who like a cocktail or like good beer. And now, they, now we have multiple breweries here which is what that age group is really looking for. You have cocktails that they're looking for. We didn't have all that stuff just like six, seven years ago. And I think it's paying off. I mean, if you were putting together a bachelor party or a bachelorette party in Door County 10 years ago versus now, just think of how many options you have now that back then you'd just be like, and I, I saw this, I was the bartender at some of these places. So this is on me. I was the one who ran lame old bars, right? But all right, what are we going to do? All right, we're going to do Door County. Hopefully we can get out on a boat, but there weren't even as many options to do that. And then we're going to go to Husby's at night or maybe the Bayside or something. But there weren't all these options where you're like, all right, we're, we can go to Sister Bay. We can eat here. We can crawl here. We can have a drink here. We can rent kayaks at like nine different places up and down the peninsula instead of just Ephraim. So for me, think about uh, the, the differences in what generations want and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so like when I think too. about like what my generation wants and what my age demographic wants, it's not 24-7 convenience. It's not having access to anything and everything at all times. Like you might think that it is. It's that we want to do unique things. We want to have unique experiences. Uh, and we want to have experiences that we know like, hey, I did this thing here. This is the only place that I could do that thing. That's right. what makes it worth it. So it's not so much about like I have a million options at my disposal. It's like I might have 
a hundred options, but all of them are going to be unique, and that's something that's important. There are young people who want that convenience, who want to be next to a Best Buy and they want a Target right next door or all those things, but we don't have to go out and get those people, and we don't have to provide those things. You make the most of what you can provide that nobody else can, because any place in America can have a Best Buy. Any place in America can have more gas stations or more 24-hour convenience stores and all that thing. Not every place in America can have the nature and the access that we have here to water and to trails. And there's enough of those people to attract as visitors. And now it's like, how many of those people are we going to get our hooks into who end up moving here in two, three years or five years or 10 years? Like, that's kind of exciting to me to think, like, if we're having this conversation again five years from now and we start saying, yeah, there's a lot more. We see it in the demographics. It's changing. Maybe not. Maybe it's not affordable enough. Maybe a lot of people start to really love it up here and they can't afford Northern Door and they can't get their foot in the door and buy a house, but maybe they can do it in Sturgeon Bay. So maybe Sturgeon Bay sees the long-term effects of this. I don't know. But it's kind of exciting to think about versus the same conversations. If we were doing this podcast in 2007, 2008, we'd be talking about will Door County survive? Is it's time passed? Everyone's going to Lake Geneva. Everyone's going to, heck, Brown County, <laughs> Traverse City. We still have a lot of things we can do. We, our pedestrian infrastructure and bike infrastructure is still terrible, lagging so far behind most other tourism destinations. Take your pick, Traverse City, Delavan, Southwest Wisconsin, like Madison. It, we're, we're really bad with our bike and pedestrian infrastructure. But, man, if we got that right, what what would happen? So Right. Well, and the, the other thing, too, is, like, think about who... We're trying to attract, and I say we like just the the greater we, because and, and that that's part of the perspective too. Because if you're like, we have Door County, and we want to make it something so that we are bringing in people, maybe there's a different perspective that you can take on that. So instead of being like, let's bring in people, look at all of this great property that we have. There's condos, we have all this great stuff that you can come and do. Instead of thinking of it like that, maybe it's a perspective shift to like, let's bring in great young families and people who want to do stuff and they will make this community into something special Yeah, because there's so many young people up here who are artistic, who are entrepreneurial, who are doing new and exciting things with art and business and restaurants and food and across the board. And they're doing it because they want to have that type of experience here. It's not because they're like, Hey, you know, it would be great if I went to door County and open up this business. Cause I know I'm going to bring in X, Y, Z. They're like, hey, I'm already here. I love it here. I want this opportunity, so I'm going to make it for myself and other people who want it. And then the community comes together and does all sorts of cool projects like that. Yeah, I can't wait until, and hopefully it happens, but in this kind of generational influx of business owners and, and young residents start to take part on a larger level, on the, the board levels, on the community discussion levels. And I do believe it'll happen. There's, some, there's just so many smart, different thoughts out there. We're really lucky that so many of the older members of this community have had foresight and have given a crap about what us young people want because they've done a great job of preserving and paying the taxes and voting to open up Waterfront and do these things that largely will benefit my generation and those to come after me more so than the 75-year-olds who voted for that. And so we're lucky, but I can't wait until these people actually start having their voices at the table and start forming the community in the way they want to. Like, 
I think if we had more younger people at the table 10 years ago and for the last 10 years, we'd probably have more bike lanes in these communities. We'd probably have better pedestrian walkways so that you don't have to push a stroller along a 55 mile an hour road or, or, or you know, we'd just be thinking more in those terms. But hopefully um, that happens and 10 years from now, it's even more exciting and we have more of the services that we want. And maybe the housing thing gets solved because some of these people take part in those discussions. Right. Well, and I think that, that that's a good motivator too, because like if you came to Door County because of XYZ, because you, you love it here, you grew up here, you want this to be your home, in the same way that you've started a, a local project or opened a business or done something like that because you wanted to to have that as a part of your community, the next step then is to you know get on a board and, and try to change things at that level too. Uh, if you if you care about this place and you want to make your voice heard and you want to see the type of change that you're hoping to see, be that change. Is that, that's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be the change that you want to see in the world. doesn't necessarily mean you have to do the nitty-gritty and the oftentimes boredom of actually being on that board, but volunteering for those organizations, getting on the committee, or just showing up at the meeting and making sure that that younger voice is in the room. And like I said, I give like the the retirees in this county are the ones who have made it what we're all taking advantage of now. But like, we need more than just that perspective at the table. Right. Cool. Well, you've convinced me. Yeah. So, so we're going to so go I'd really like to hear from people if, if that impression is wrong or if they have other thoughts on that, email me, miles at peepulse.com. That's miles with a Y. Or just stop by the office or hit me up. I'll be out at the brewery tonight if you want. <laughs> but yeah, I might not to, be up by then. I'm but. interested to hear what people have to say about that if they've been feeling the same way. I definitely have. And, and part of it, too, is like we get our heads so far into the marketing of Door County mm-hmm. and how do we promote uh, a great image or a young image or a hip image or that type of thing yeah. because like we're marketing to what we want to see change. Then I wonder if we just have our blinders on and then we're like, oh, wait, hey, look. Yeah. That stuff is around us. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're a different bubble. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week, Miles. Thank you so much for chatting with me, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks for letting me uh, rant a little bit. Yeah, no problem. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.